Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. This is the REI Secrets. So, hey, this is Joe. And on this video series, this is my part four of the Brilliant at the Basics video series that I'm doing. And I'm breaking down kind of the simple, basic things that you need to understand, you need to do in order to do a lot of deals. Now, how many of you all have this book? I don't know if the text is going in the right direction or not when you're watching this, but this is a book I wrote seven years ago with a friend of mine, Peter Vexelman. Um, and we we gave away or sold because we gave it away for free just by shipping and handling it. You know, a couple thousand of these, many of them. And the feedback was amazing, was awesome. So, I, you know, just for various reasons, Peter and I are not working together anymore. But this book is really, really good. It's called um, Brilliant at the Basics, How to Get More Leads, More Time, More Money by Being Brilliant at the Basics. And we shared in this book the exact systems and tools that we use to flip a bunch of properties and how you can too. Well, part of this series that I'm doing is I'm updating this book and I want to do it all new again. A lot of like 99% of what's in here is still applicable and valuable, useful, helpful for today. But I just want to update it. But I love this idea of being brilliant at the basics. This was something that Peter Vexelman kind of helped me think about and he coined that phrase. But the people that are successful in this business who do the most deals are really good at the simple basic things. And it's really easy to complicate this business to make it difficult, confusing. It, it's really not that hard, all right? And in fact, the people, a lot of the people, not everybody, but a lot of the people that I see doing the best in this business, is doing the most deals, they haven't gone out and spent tons of money on education. They're just massive action takers. And in fact, I was looking at this thread recently of this one student that was interested in coaching. And the guy, the guy interested in coaching was asking the coach saying, Hey, do you have any openings in your coaching program? And the guy said, are you an analytical person or a action taker? And the guy said, I'm more analytical. And he said, do not sign up for my coaching program. We do not have any openings for you in our coaching program. Go watch a ton of free YouTube videos and go do something else. You're not invited or not welcome into my coaching program. And I was like, what? That was pretty harsh. But I love that because if you're overly analytical, you're going to really, really struggle in this business. Now, it's okay to be analytical, but don't let your analytical side overtake your um, implementation side. Now, I don't know which one is left or right brain, but like you, sometimes to have the most success in this business, you need to jump off the building and figure out how to fly as you fall. I've talked about this before. The key to success is this, is not be ready, aim, 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 always aiming and then eventually getting to fire because chances are the odds are stacked against you. You will never get to fire. The people that are successful are the ready. They get a little bit of training, a little bit of education, enough to be dangerous, and they fire. They make mistakes. They fail forward. They take massive imperfect action, and then they aim to readjust, fire again, aim, readjust, fire again. So it's ready, fire, aim. That should be your approach, ready, fire, aim. I was a professional student for three years, buying course after course after program after program, spending more money on education than I was making and getting completely frustrated with myself and complaining about some of these coaching programs that I bought that I thought were not good, right? Um, I, I spent tons of money on this coaching education and I was mad like, man, I, I learned the same things in that course, that coaching program that I learned in this $100 course that I had or whatever. 
But you know what? The problem was in here, in my heart and in my head. I was afraid to take action. I was afraid to make mistakes. Until I just started figuring out this business isn't that hard. It's really not that difficult. I need to understand those simple, basic things. And when I can do that, and I can implement the basics. In fact, if I can become brilliant at the basics, then I'm going to start doing deals. And that's how I started doing deals. So the first session, the series of this, number one, was about more of the mindset involved. Number two was marketing. Number three was talking to sellers. And today I'm going to be talking about making offers. And I've got a cool thing I'm going to share with you now on this video. And when my book is available, it will come with this spreadsheet that I'm going to be giving you. So as we start, let's review a few of the rules too. Okay. If you want to be successful in this business, you have to understand number one, we are in the marketing business, not the real estate business. It's all about marketing. Marketing is number one. So you need to get marketing done for you in spite of you. Write that down. Rule number one, after you take massive imperfect action and you realize it's ready, fire, aim, and to be successful, you have to take massive imperfect action. That's really rule number one. You have to believe that you can do it. All right. The next one, the next number one is marketing. Get your marketing done for you in spite of you. The next rule, number two, is you got to talk to sellers, okay? Talk to five sellers a day. I'm telling you, if that's all you did, talk to five sellers a day, you're going to kill it. Now, I wish I could show you my huge guns right here, take off my shirt and show you my guns, but it'll be a little embarrassing. But here's the thing. I've been working out five, six days a week, pretty much every day for the last almost six months now. And... I've just been getting better and better and better, getting stronger and stronger. I work out with some friends from church. It's awesome. I go because I don't want to get the I don't want to get in trouble with my friends and I don't want them to give me a hard time. But I like going to hanging out with my friends, but also working out. So I've gained a ton of strength. I was pulling some weights today and I realized this is like twice as much as I used to do six months ago. Because the more I practice and work out that muscle, the better I get at it, right? The stronger I get. And pretty soon, you know, I'm going to be bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger. You just watch. Just wait and see. No, I'm just kidding. But that's, it's like talking to sellers is a muscle. You work out that muscle, you get better and better at it. So if you could talk to five sellers a day, and I'm not talking about like a long time, just three to five minutes, each seller. Hey, can you tell me about your house? I'm looking for an investment property. Can I ask you some questions? Is it still available? Can you tell me about it? You know, what do you think it's worth? Do you think that's a fair price for this crazy market? Okay, just ask questions. Talk to five sellers a day. That's the rule, number two or three. The next rule, number four, I think it is, is make offers to every single seller you talk to, all right? Make offers to every single seller that you talk to. And it doesn't matter even if they say, no, nah, I don't want to sell, or I'm not going to give it away, or, you know, I would send an offer still to every single seller you talk to. And that's a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. The final rule is follow-up. You need to follow up with all of your sellers every 30 days. Follow-up is where your deals are going to come from. 99% of your deals, maybe, at least 90% are going to come from the follow-up. It's going to take seven to eight touches over three to four months on average of continuous follow-up. Some of your deals are going to be a year later of follow-up. Some of them are just going to be after a couple touches or attempts, but follow-up is important. So those four or five things, right? Massive imperfect action. Stop being afraid of failure and making mistakes. You're going to make it. So just accept it. You're not going to have it all figured out. You're not going to have all your I's dotted, all your T's crossed. Just live with it. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be all right. So we're in the marketing business, not the real estate investment business. So you got to get your marketing done for you in spite of you. You need to talk to five sellers a day. You need to make an offer to every seller you talk to. And you need to follow up with every seller you make an offer to every 30 days. Those are those brilliant basic things. If you do that, you're going to do deals. I don't know what else to say. I should just maybe end this series right now because that's it. 
All right. But um, today I'm going to be talking about how to make simple offers. And part of the making offers is really important to understand. We got to keep it simple. A lot of people, you know, because I teach lease options and I, you know, there's a lot of people talking about subject to and owner financing. There's a lot of different ways you can make offers. And a lot of times people get stuck on all the intricacies of that. Like they feel like they have to learn how to make a lease option offer and a cash offer and an owner financing offer. Or they feel like, well, what if the seller says no to my cash offer? I have to have something else to give them. That's all helpful and good, right? But if you're just getting started, get really just focus, just focus on making cash off. That's it. I know I know more people that are more successful making just cash offers than creative financing offers and lease options. So lease options are cool. It's an amazing strategy. I love it. But I have more students, more friends that are more successful doing more cash deals. So when you're talking to sellers, all right, don't worry. Don't try to fit a square peg in a round hole. And I talk about sending options, right? But just focus on a cash offer, if you, especially if you're just getting started. Because sometimes, again, people get overwhelmed with all this information overload in their head. And they're thinking they have to know how to do all these different kinds of offers before they make their first offer. So forget about that. Just focus on one offer. And I'm going to encourage you to just focus first on learning how to make simple cash offers. Because when you make a cash offer, there's only one thing to negotiate, the price. Once you start getting into creative financing, like lease options and stuff, yeah, you will do more deals, but like you have to negotiate three or four different things. You got the price, the term, like how many, how many years, the interest rate or the rent, right? You've got the down payment. You've got, you know, a lot of different things like that. So I, that, that can be overwhelming to a lot of people. When you're just getting started, focus on making cash offers. All right. Now, one of the things that I wanted to talk about that I didn't talk about before is you need to know who your buyers are. And it's really important that you know who your buyers are. Because it's so much easier to sell what you what your buyers want than what you have. And excuse me if I talked about this before, but it's important to understand. If you go walking around Times Square in New York and uh, you make a bowl of spaghetti and you're walking around the street and going up to strangers and say, hey, are you hungry? Would you like some spaghetti? What do you think they're going to say? No, they're going to think you're weird. You're psycho. What, what? Why are you doing that? But instead, and you went during lunch, the lunch hour when people are walking on their lunch breaks and you said, hey, are you hungry? And you got a bike with a DoorDash or Uber Eats sign on it. And you say, hey, are you hungry? Would you like me to get you something to eat? What would you like? How many more people will give you money and will buy your food if you take their order first and then go get what they want? Okay. So it's like this in any type of business, especially real estate. You need to know what your buyers want and you need to know what they're looking for, where they're looking for it, right? So it's write this down. It's easier, always easier to sell buyers what they want rather than what you have. So if you go out finding a deal, it may be a deal that nobody wants. That's why I like focusing in on the median price range of homes, the homes in the bread and butter, blue collar neighborhoods, because that's where the highest demand is. If you look at a bell curve and you sort all of the homes that have sold in the last year in your county, and you sort all of those homes into a from low to high, and you plot them on a graph, it's always going to have this bell curve shape to it. And the extremes you want to avoid, the extremes of the bell curve, the really cheap homes and the really expensive homes. Why? Because there's very few buyers that want home. The pool of buyers in those extremes, the cheap and the high end, are really, really small. So you typically want to avoid the zip codes that have the real expensive or the really cheap homes. You want to focus on the homes in the zip codes where the investors are already buying homes. And the cool thing with data today is we can find out what zip codes are buying and who these buyers are 
what they're buying and what their address is. So we can contact them and say, hey, I see that you're buying properties in 63116. Are you looking for more? Can that make sense? We can even go and find buyers that are buying in other counties from out of state And we can ask them, hey, you know what? I see that you're buying properties in Marion County, Indiana. We are in Kansas City, Missouri. And we're one of the premier real estate investing companies in Kansas City. And if you're looking for more great cash flowing rental properties, give us a call because we've got a bunch of them here in Kansas City that you might like to see. But I know what they want. They're buying in Indianapolis, these houses for 75 to 125 grand that rent for $1,000 a month. Well, I got those as well in Kansas City. Does that make sense? All right, so what I'm going to show you right now is how to find those top zip codes. And this is a free way to do that, to find top zip codes in other counties. So if somebody, we're we're on Zoom right now with a bunch of folks. If somebody can type in a city or a county in the Zoom chat, I'm going to show you and demonstrate how this works. So somebody please type in a city or a county and give me the state and not a small county. Give me a decent one. All right. How about Jefferson County, Alabama? Where is that? I'm going to look that up here. Jefferson County, Alabama is Birmingham. All right, let's do that. Birmingham is a great market. All right, now I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to go to a resource called List Source. And List Source is free. You just create a free account. It's not free to get the leads, but you can, it's free to create an account. And when you log into List Source, you're going to go right here to Investor Foreclosure Services and you're going to go down to Absentee Owners. Now, if you're watching this, this is going to be in YouTube. So go to my YouTube channel and subscribe. And this video will be in in YouTube. All right. So this is how you can pull lists of absentee owners. An absentee owner is somebody who owns a rental property whose address, mailing address is different than the property address. They're absentee. Okay. And let's go to county. Let's go to Alabama. And what did we say? I should know this. Jefferson. Thank you. Jefferson County. And add it in here to the selected county. All right, there's 76,000 absentee owners. Now, by the way, as I'm doing this, and if you're looking at, if you're trying to decide between three or four different markets, if you're doing deals virtually, do this for each of the three markets and see which county has more investor activity. That might be something that you want to, to do. Now, by the way, look, you notice here, they don't include data for Montana, South Carolina, Idaho, and Kansas for whatever reason. So just ignore those states. There are ways, by the way, that you can get that information. So you just have to be a little more, don't give up so easily. So now we're going to go to next. And now we have to select property type. I'm going to select this one, a preset selection. And I select single family residences, one to four units and add it over here. So there are 37,000 absentee owners who own a town, a townhouse, duplex, triplex, single family, et cetera. And I'm just going to scroll down. Now I want to do last market recording date. Let's do last six months and then add it over here. That means in the last six months, there's been 1,200 transactions in Birmingham, Alabama area. And I'm going to scroll all the way down and click next because there's a couple more things we still have to do. And you can see now right here, corporate owned properties, properties, it's set to, it's defaults to exclude. I don't care if an LLC or a corporation buys one of these properties. I want to know where everybody is buying properties. So I'm going to click no preference. And that number jumps up to 3,100. So now in the last six months, there has been 31 transactions in Jefferson County, Alabama by investors, absentee owners. All right. Now you can do that from different states, different counties, and then I would, you know, compare them all and see which ones are more active. You you don't want to, this is not something you want to be afraid of your competition. This isn't something where you want to say, man, there's too much competition there. I don't want to be in that market. Competition's a good thing. In fact, the less competition there is, the more concerned I would be. That's not a good market. You want to be where there's a lot of activity. All right. 
3,100. Now, what we're doing is I'm going to pretend like I'm purchasing the list. I'm going to click this here. And I'm going to click on purchase partial list. And I'm going to select custom selection right here. And then I'm going to group properties by zip codes. And what this just did is give me a table now of all the zip codes in that county. And I don't know, there's 20 or 30 of them here. And it tells me how many transactions happened in each of those zip codes. All right. If you have my book and when you get my book, when it's available, you're going to have access to this spreadsheet here. And what I'm going to do is real simple here. I'm going to take this data. I'm going to copy and paste it. I'm just scrolling down. I'm copying and pasting. I do command C or control C. I'm going to go to this spreadsheet and I'm going to paste it here on this blank tab because that pastes this column and I don't want this column here. But now I'm just going to take this stuff, scroll all the way to the bottom. There's 40 or there's 50 zip codes in that county. I'm going to copy that data, go to this tab right here. And I'm just going to paste it right there and look what it just done did which I love here. So it took all, it took all of these zip codes and there's again, 50 of them and it ranks them by the one with the most transactions. When I've done this before, I've always lost people because I'll just, I'll do these formulas and then everyone's like, what did he just do? And they're completely lost. But now we can see here in 35215, there are 305 transactions. 10% of all the investor activity happened in that zip code. And so this is the incremental number and this is a cumulative number. So here. If I go after these 11 zip codes, this is where 50% of all of the activity, I hope it's not too small, you can see that. This is where 50% of all the investor activity in Jefferson County has happened in these 11 zip codes. So going back to my analogy of it's easier to sell buyers what they want rather than what they have. Maybe if I'm going into Jefferson County to do some marketing, direct mail, cold calling, whatever I'm doing, Maybe I should target homeowners or people who own properties in those 11 zip codes, okay? We're talking about hyper-focus here, right? So I'm going to go into the zip codes like 35215 and 35235, 35206, et cetera. That's where I want to focus. Okay, now again, if you have this book, if you're watching this, you're going to have a link to get to this spreadsheet. And to do what I just did, you need to make a copy of the spreadsheet. So you're going to go to file, make a copy, and then you can play with this spreadsheet and do what I just did, okay? I hope you guys appreciate this because again, this is something like you can do on your own and just copy and paste these formulas and do it real quick. But I hired a guy in Upwork for like $45 and he built this spreadsheet for me. So all you have to do is just copy and paste the zip codes and the count that you get from list source right here and just paste them into the spreadsheet and it sorts them and ranks them, right? So pretty cool. Thank you, you're welcome. <laughs> Some of you are like, whatever, Joe. Okay, so what if we started we, we started contacting sellers? And let's look at 35215. Let's go in here to Zillow. I was looking at a property earlier. Let's go here to Zillow and I'm just gonna type in that zip code 35215 and see what's out there. Now these are just for sale by owners. So let's let's do all, I don't want coming soon or uh, then let's do, I'm gonna forget price range. I just wanna kind of see what's going on out here. Any, let's just stick with houses. All right, so there's 48 agent listings and 14 for sale by owner listings. And some of these are zero. I don't know what that means. These are auctions. All right, so make, make some offers. This is price low to high. You could sort it by newest if you wanted. And if you don't want to see these auctions, you just go here and you can unselect auctions. Foreclosures, I typically unselect those also because I like dealing directly with the seller. I don't like new construction. But uh, you know, I'd still make offers to foreclosures. You're just going to be dealing with banks. Not a big deal. So this is just giving me a feel for what's kind of out here. 
those are FISBOs. Let's go here to agent listings. This one's for 69 grand. These are the kind of properties you can get in this part of Birmingham. This looks like a nice, solid bones property for 69 grand. This looks like a really good deal. And this property, I bet you would rent for 800 to 1,000 a month based on the uh, just the vi- visuals of it. I don't know enough about this neighborhood to tell you that, but let's look at home value. Sometimes they give you the estimated rent range. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, okay, 936 a month. Now, this may need some work, but for somebody that's looking for rental neighborhoods, there's a lot of investors that are buying in 32515 or 35215, right? Why hasn't this property sold yet? It's, it's probably not. Let's see how it's, long as it's been on the market. It's only been on the Zillow for 21 hours. So it's probably getting a ton of bids right now. One of the things that I like to do is I like to go down here and I've sorted this by, I'm going to the top. I've sorted it by newest. I like to go down and look for the ones that have been listed longer. So I'll go to the second page. And so some of these have been on Zillow for 145 days. This one has been on for a couple months and they just dropped the price, 15 grand. So this would be a good one to call the realtor and make an offer on it. Why hasn't this property sold yet? Maybe it's in a bad neighborhood. Maybe it's ugly. Maybe it needs too much work. Like some of these pictures are really weird. Not sure what's going on here. If you look at this, attention all investors, great rental property currently rented for 600 a month. So this looks like it's a property that needs a lot of work. It hasn't sold yet. It's been on the market for 138 days because they're asking too much for it. Well, maybe let's contact this wit- this realtor, Whitney Shirley, call him up and say, hey, I like this house. I'm an investor from out of town. I'm looking to buy more property in the area. Can you tell me a little bit about this? Maybe it hasn't sold yet because there's a tenant in there and it's really hard to get inside the house to look at it. So no investor can get inside and inspect it because the, the tenant's playing difficult. The seller will put $1,500 towards repairs. That's really generous. The seller has multiple properties for sale and will sell as a package or individually. So they have a bunch of properties here. So this sells, This sounds like this seller might be getting motivated. It's been on the market now for six months or more. Hasn't sold yet. They just dropped their price, fifteen grand. What kind of offer would you make on this kind of a property? Well, guess what? I feel pretty good about this one because I'm going to make a good offer on this. I'm going to show you how I would come up with an offer. It's really simple. But the seller might be might entertain an offer. Now, you got to get this out of your mind too. You might think, well, let's say I come up with an, an offer for... Um, I, I know I could sell this thing for 50. So I'm going to need to offer 40, let's say. All right. That you might think, oh my gosh, no seller would ever accept a, that much of a discount on a listed property. This property has been listed for a long time. They've probably already received a bunch of lowball offers. I'm not going to waste their time with another ridiculous lowball offer. I'm just going to move on. Or the realtor is going to screw this deal up. I don't want to you know, offend anybody or make anybody mad. Get that stinking thinking out of your head. You make offers. Your goal is to talk to five sellers or realtors a day. You want to make an offer to all of them. And so I would call this agent up, say, hey, listen, can you tell me a little bit about this property? Why do you think it hasn't sold yet? Are they asking too much? I see you just dropped the price, 15 grand. I'm sure you're getting a lot of offers, right? So just talk to them and say, How, you know, if, if I made an offer around 40 grand, is, is it really going to offend the seller? Am I going to make them really mad? <laughs> just ask that question. They may say, yeah, they've already accepted. They've already rejected a bunch of offers. Uh, more than that. You say, I, you know what? Let me just, I'm going to send you an offer anyway, if that's okay. And you know, if you want, just throw it away or go ahead and give it to the seller. You guys, you will be surprised how many sellers will say yes to an offer that's low because they're just sick of it. They're tired of it. They're done with it. They want to get rid of it. The realtor, this listing agent is probably tired and frustrated with the handling this, this client and these deals. 
right? And you make an offer just at the right time and they're like, screw it, forget it, fine, whatever. I've seen this happen over and over and over and over and over again, okay? So there are still deals on the MLS. There really are. So anyway, I wanted to, we'll, we'll make an offer on this property here in just a minute. I'll show you how I'll make an offer. But I want to show you, just kind of going back to these zip codes, right? We have six or 35215. If we go into Redfin, 35215, I like looking at Redfin for a couple of reasons. I move this up here. Okay, now I'm going to remove outline. So that gives me all of the properties that are for sale in that area. Looks like Northern Birmingham, okay? And I'm going to go here to filters and I'm going to go to houses only. I'm going to do time on Redfin more than 60 days. And guess what I have? 30 homes that have been on the market over 60 days. Let's change that even to maybe, oops, let's change that to all filters scroll to more than 90 days. Do you think maybe, I know I'm recording this now, we're in the winter, but do you think if a house in this hot market where the houses are supposed to be selling lightning fast and all you need to do, even in Birmingham, all you need to do is stick a sign in the yard and you're going to get multiple offers above asking price. You're going to sell it within a week. Do you think maybe some of these sellers that have been sitting on this house on the market for 90 days, it hasn't sold yet? Do you think some of them, maybe one of them, maybe one of this 25, 24 in this area might be getting motivated? Yep. Now look at this house. Why isn't this one sold yet? Looks pretty nice. Well, it needs updating. This is not a house, if you can see those pictures there, this is not a house that a retail buyer is going to want to buy. This is a house that needs updating. It needs work. The front, there's no curb appeal with that house right there. Got wood paneling, kitchen, got this weird brick, carpet, needs carpet, paint, walls are, yeah, beautiful. This is why it hasn't sold yet. They're asking too much and only an investor would want to buy this thing. An investor is not going to pay that much. But this is a great neighborhood. I bet you this thing's fixed up, you know, would sell for, I mean, I don't know what, sometimes you can go down here and see in this zip code what similar homes are selling for. And I'm going to scroll down a little bit here. The school districts are good. I mean, look at that. Good reviews for schools. All right, just keep on going here. Climate risk. Nice. Okay. Rents, pretty good solid rents in this area. I like that at 1100 to 1200 a month. All right. So for this zip code, here we go. The median list. I know this is kind of hard to see. Let me zoom in a little bit. The median list price is 130 grand. Median days on market, 33. That's solid. So this tells me that, you know, if I fix this house up, I might be able to sell it for 130 grand, but it's going to need a lot of work. So maybe this is another property we'll make a cash offer on. But I wanted to show you, if you go in here and you look at these properties, you're going to find properties in here that need updating. There's a reason why these houses haven't sold yet. Look at this kitchen. Look at the ceiling. So it's been on the market 119 days. I know it's kind of hard to see there. But when you see a picture like this, a bedroom, like nobody got this house ready to, to take pictures in. This is a rental property. And chances are, um, somebody who wants to buy this is going to have a hard time going in it and inspecting it because some tenants are in there and they have toilet paper above, I mean, uh, uh, paper towels above their toilet. All right. So anyway, this is a great rental property that I could make an offer on. So there, there is no more excuses for not finding deals to make offers. All right, let's do this. Let's go ahead and make some offers. What do you say? Let's make an offer on this property here and on this property here. They're asking 89.9. This house has been on the market for three months, hasn't sold yet. Great investment opportunity, large home on a corner lot. First thing I would do would call the agent. Always just call the agent. Uh, this property here has been on the market for 138 days. And both of these, you look at them, both of them are currently rented. All right. 
Now, one of the first things I look at just off the bat, when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, all right, it's listed for 70 grand and it hasn't sold yet. What price would I need to be able to list it for or sell it for to get a lot of interest? Just gut check right now. I think if I could sell this thing for 50, an investor is going to come in and look at it and say, holy smokes, it was listed for 70. I can buy it for 50. That might be a good deal. So I'm going to buy, I'm going to make an offer for 40. That's just kind of what I'm thinking right now. This kind of a property, I'm making an offer for around 40 grand. This one I'm looking at, what price would I need to sell this thing for to make it interesting to an investor that's been looking at this MLS every single day looking for deals? And when I see one of the first things that investors do when they're looking for a property to buy, if, if I'm advertising 218th Avenue in Center Point, Alabama, they're going to look to see, well, what was it listed for before? What's the history on it? And they're going to see, oh, it was listed for 89.9 and now it's for sale. I can buy it for 65. Oh man, that sounds like a good deal. I'm going to be able to sell it like that. And I know I'm going to be able to sell it because again, this is a property in a hot zip code. So I might offer, I'm going to sell it for 65. I'm going to offer 55. That could be as simple as that. Like I didn't use a spreadsheet. I didn't use a calculator. I don't know about the ARV. I don't know about repairs. I don't know about any of that stuff. I don't care. I'm just going to make an offer. So what do you do? You call Chris Barnett. You call him, you look him up, say, hey, Chris, how you doing? Joe here. Tell me about this property. Why hasn't it sold yet? It's a great investment opportunity. Okay, what would houses in this neighborhood sell for if they're fixed up? I'm just curious. And be honest with them and tell them you're from out of state. You don't know. And by the way, you also tell the agent, listen, if you can work, help me with this deal, I'll let you represent me and you can get both sides of the commission. You can get the listing side, the, the listing agent commission and the buyer's agent's commission. You can be my buyer's agent. And if this doesn't work out, maybe you have other properties that will work out. I'm a hungry buyer right now. I've got money burning a hole in my pocket. I'm looking for deals. So let that realtor know that you're on his or her side. Ask him about the house. Why do you think it hasn't sold yet? What kind of work do you think it needs to get done? Do you know any good contractors in the neighborhood? You know, if I fix this thing up, what do you think it would sell for? You understand? So again, I'm thinking in my head, what can I sell this property for to all of these investors that are buying properties that's going to make this like drop everything they're doing to make me an offer to buy this property? If it's listed for 90, I'm going to try to sell it for 65, which means I'm going to make an offer for 55. It's as simple as that. It's not that complicated, is it? All right. So, you know, I'm going to show you a little simple spreadsheet here in a minute, but let's just look at it real simple, high level view of what kind of offers we can make on this house. Oh, by the way, I was going to say this too. So, when I'm calling Chris, I'm just going to talk to him, tell him, hey, listen, you can get both sides of the commission. What can we do here? And he might say, well, you know, I'm going to say to him, listen, I'm, going to, I'm probably going to be around the 45, 55 price range. That's probably just ridiculous and not going to work for you, is it? Is, is that going to really make your client mad? Yeah, it is. I mean, they've, they've rejected offers higher than that. I say, well, you know, I'm sure it's, I'm sure you're getting a ton of interest. I'm sure you're getting a lot of people looking at this, but like, can I just, can I just go ahead and just send you an email or something, put it in writing. And then if you want, maybe you can just write up an offer for me and send it to the seller. Would that be okay? All right. So I'm going to then send Chris an email. Don't worry about filling out the contracts and all that. Just send Chris an email. Hey, Chris, good talking to you today on the phone. Listen, I'd like to make an offer on this property. And I know it's probably going to be rejected and they're probably going to be mad. But you know what? If you can just help me a little bit here, make me an offer, make the offer for me, write it up, I'll sign it. You know, And you got to ask them what kind of earnest money do they, are they going to suggest. And you're going to want at least a two-week inspection window and things like that. So send the realtor an email saying, I'd, I'd be willing to offer something like this. And then to see what happens. And then follow up. And we'll talk about that in the next Brilliant at the basics thing. So one of the things I like to do about with, with Redfin is I'm looking at this property here and I want to make an offer. 
If I click on this little map icon right here, it opens up a map and then it gives me right here, map nearby homes for sale. In fact, hold on one second. I'm gonna write down some numbers here. This property is uh, 89.9 before I lose my place. It's a three bedroom, one and a half baths, 1,744 square feet. All right, I'm gonna click on this map and I'm gonna click right here, map nearby homes for sale. And what this does in Redfin, um, what that does is it puts that house in the center of that map so I can start looking at similar homes in that area. And I'm going to zoom out because I need more properties. All right. I'm going to zoom out one more time. Here we go. There's 14 homes in this window that are currently listed for sale. And I'm going to take this table here and I'm going to sort it by price. I'm also going to say filters. I only want houses. All right. Now, the first thing is I'm looking at this and I can see there's a house listed for sale for 82.5 for less, but it's a lot smaller. So maybe I'm not worried about that. Maybe I'll go here to all filters and I'm going to say um, square footage. Square footage, it has to be at least, let's say 1,200 square feet and max 2,250. All right, so now I'm the cheapest. Here's one for 125, 125, but I'm looking at these. These are newer homes maybe. Okay, completely new inside. All right, let me zoom out one more time to see if we can get any more. Oh, here we go. Here's a house for less for 69.9. So I might be talking to this realtor and I might say, I'm looking here and I see a similar house listed for sale right now for $69.9. I'm sure your house is nicer. Like, why would I want to buy your house and not this one for 20 grand less? All right. Now, while I'm also on the phone, I'm going to go here to all filters and I'm going to click solds. There's been 128 homes sold recently. I'm going to, actually, we can do sold within the last six months. 293 homes. All right. Obviously way too many. So I'm going to zoom back in. That house is still in the center of the map. Now I have 76 homes and I sort this by price. And sure enough, looky here. This is why that house hasn't sold for 90,000 yet. Here's a house that's sold for 35. Here's a house that's sold for 50, 56, 60, 65, 65, 65, 70. So just looking at these numbers, I can automatically see, all right, investors right now are buying properties in this area for, I'm just looking at my numbers here. I think if I, if I could sell this thing for 65, I'd probably sell it pretty quickly, right? So I'm going to offer 55. There you go. No spreadsheet needed. I'm just looking at sold comps. When I'm talking to the agent, I might say, can you explain this neighborhood to me? I'm seeing a bunch of houses here that sold for 60, 65. Why are they asking? Uh, you know, do you think they're going to get 90? How long do they have to wait? See what the realtor says. I said, well, you know, if I make any kind of offer, I'm going to need to be in this price range. Is that probably going to work? Or, or, or what do you think? Maybe not. Here, I'm making the realtor defend that high price. So just get a feel for it. And then I'm just going to make, I know I can sell this thing for 65. So I'm going to make an offer for 55 and that's it. Boom. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go in and find like this property right here. I click on here, sold two months ago. It was listed by Brian Welch. Guess who I'm going to call? I'm going to call Brian Welch and ask him, Hey, I, th I see you recently sold a property in that area for 65 at fifth place Northwest. Do you know, do you have any other buyers that are looking for more properties? And sometimes, and you can't see it here, sometimes you can see the listing agent and the buyer's agent. So I would call the listing agent and the buyer's agent or get into the MLS and find out who the buyer's agent was and call them. And you can say, hey, I got another property in the area. Um, do you want to help me find a buyer? I'll pay you a commission or something like that. Cool. Let me just look up at another example here. This one sold for 50. I click on view details. Yeah, so in this market, Redfin is only giving me the listing agent. In some markets, you get the listing agent and the buying agent, but I'm going to call them up and offer to pay them a $3,000 commission if they bring me a buyer for my other property. All right, let's look at this other one here. So again, for that property, I'm going to make an offer, a cash offer, what did I say, for $55,000. For this property here, 
944 Meadowbrook. One thing that I like to do now is I'm going to copy that address. I'm going to go back to Zillow and I'm just going to type in that address right here because I want that property to be in the center of my map, just like we kind of did in Redfin there. Now I'm going to close this and that property is right there in the center. And I'm going to sort this from low to high. And again, kind of what we were looking at before. Now this is a 648 square foot house. Let's just go here to more. Let's do square feet over 1250 and let's do under 2250. Done. Low to high, there's one for 65, 75, 75, 89. And remember, they are asking on this house. Oh, shoot. Did I lose it? Where'd it go? Hold on a second here. Zillow. Let me go back to that original listing here. All right. They're asking 69.9. I'm going to write this down. This is a three bedroom, 976 square feet. So I need to go here and change my filter a little bit, right? Let's do 750 to 1250. So these are active listings on Zillow between 750 square feet and 1,250 square feet because ours is 976 square feet. This is sorted from low to high. Here's a FISBO for an 88. Here's one that's currently listed right now for 69. This one is 69, 75. So it is kind of the lower end right now, but I'm thinking you got to remember too, like let's say you make an offer for for, uh, 55. Now you're going to have to sell it for 65. Do you think you're going to be able to sell it for 65 when the realtor can't even sell it for 69? No. You need to be thinking, I, I want to sell this for 50. I want this to be like ridiculous, no-brainer. I'm going to sell it fast. All right, the next thing I like to do is looking at solds. So I'm going to change, come on, I'm going to change for sale to solds. There's a lot of them here, but I'm going to go to more. and I'm going to say sold in the last six months. There's 37 in here, sorted from low to high. And look, here we go, 48, 50, 52, 53. So when I'm talking to this agent, I'm going to ask him, Tell me a little bit about this neighborhood because I'm seeing a lot of houses here that sold in the low to mid 50s. So if I make an offer, I'm going to need to be somewhere around there. Is that going to work or probably not? I'm going to ask him about this one. This is literally just down the street, sold for 50. Looking at pictures here. Oops. This is in decent shape. Got a weird ceiling, weird kitchen. Put 15, 20 grand into this and you got a great rental property, right? So just looking, forget the spreadsheets, forget the calculators. Just looking at this, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to, if I'm going to, if I sell mine, if I market mine for 50, I'm probably going to sell it pretty quick, maybe 55. So I'm going to offer 45. All right. Just like that. And that took me way longer than it should take you because I'm explaining things and I'm kind of bumping around a little bit. But like, just like that, I've made two offers. Don't worry about the contracts just yet. Send an email to the agent. Maybe you even get the agent's email and just say, Hey, I saw your property. You can have a VA do this. Maybe even go look at all of the homes in this area whatever zip code you're in that have been listed for over 60, 90 days and send an email to all the realtors and make an offer at 70% of whatever the list price is or have a VA go in and look at these comps. But that's how you make offers. Really very simple. Look to see what they're selling for. Find the number one, actually first find the zip codes that they're buying in. Find these properties that have been listed for a while that need work. Find out what they're selling for and make an offer for 10 grand less. That's it. All right. That's all I wanted to share. I do have a calculator here because there are different calculators that you can use to kind of come up with offers. And I'll just show this to you real quick. If you really wanted to use a calculator, there's three different methods I like to use to make cash offers. One is a cash offer for rental properties that are in the lower price range. So let's say this is a 1,200 square foot house and it needs about $15 per square foot in rehab and it would rent for $8.95 a month. And I'm figuring 40% for expenses. And I know my investor wants a 12% cash on cash return or 11% cash on cash return on their property. 
and I want to make at least a $10,000 wholesale fee. If I sell this property that rents for $8.95 a month, if I sell it for 30 grand, if I buy it for 30 and sell it for 40, my investor who buys it after 18 grand in repairs, after 40% for expenses, that's taxes, insurance, maintenance, vacancies, management, all of that stuff, they're going to make 11% on their money. Let's say you have an investor that's looking to make 10% on their money, cash on cash return the first year, buy it for 35, sell it for 45. This is a real simple formula that I use for rental properties only. This is for properties that are like, uh, you know, under a hundred grand that rent for a thousand a month or less. And this, this is how you make an offer based on the ROI. So if you have this book, when this book comes out, I'll also give you this spreadsheet as well right here. And I'll put these spreadsheets, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put these spreadsheets in the YouTube video description as well. So if you want these spreadsheets, I'll put them in the YouTube description, comment, you know, the description down below the video, and you can get access to these spreadsheets. This top zip code spreadsheet that I just showed you and this cash offer calculator as well. The other thing I like to do is uh, to find the average for another cash offer way is to find the average of the lowest three or four times 80%. So you can take the average lowest sold comp one, two, and three, and let's say it's 26, five, 28, five, 30,000. You know, and you multiply the average times 80%, you're going to offer 22 and sell it for 32. The other way to do it, this is for rehab properties. This is your typical Mayo formula, your Mayo formula, which is ARV times 70% minus repairs, minus your wholesale fee. So let's say this property fixed up, it will be worth 135. So 70% of 135 and it has 1200 square feet. It's going to need $15 a square foot in rehab. And you want to make a wholesale profit of 10 grand. You would offer 66 and sell it for 76. Okay. Three different ways to make cash offers. Number one, it's based on the ROI. This is lower and cheaper rental properties. So I'm figuring if my investor wants to make 10% of their money and it rents for $8.95 and it needs $1,800 in repairs, then I'm going to need to offer $35. If they buy it for $45, put in the work for rehab, manage it, rent it out for a year and have 40% for all of their expenses, they're going to make 10% on their money. Okay. This is the average of the lowest three sold comps times 80%. And this is the Mayo formula the ARV, the after repair value times 70% minus repairs, minus your wholesale fee comes up with your cash offer. The A to B is what you offer. B to C is what you sell it for. Makes sense? Real quick here. One of the ways that uh, you can find the ARV is through, uh, hold on here, is like you can go and find the averages of the estimated values, values of properties from Zillow, Redfin, Realtor.com, RealtyTrack and put them in here. You get the average and the median and the lowest and just you know, pick something in there. Okay. That could be your ARV that you plug in over here. Real simple spreadsheet that you can have access to as well. Again, if you're watching this live right now, or you're watching this in my podcast or whatever, the links to those two spreadsheets will be in the YouTube description video for this. All right. That's all I've got for now, guys. I appreciate you. This is part four. I'm going to be doing one more video, part five, and it's going to be about follow-up. This is how you're real brilliant at the basic simple things. Number one, massive imperfect action. Number two, marketing. We're in the marketing business. Get your marketing done for you in spite of you. Make your marketing a priority that gets done every single day. Number three, talk to sellers. Talk to five sellers a day. And that includes realtors. Call realtors. Talk to five a day, guys. You will do deals, I promise you. Number four, I think I'm forgetting my numbers. Make offers to every single seller you talk to. And I just showed you a real simple way how to make offers by looking at what they're selling for, offering 10 less. Then the next is follow-up. Make 
Well, when it comes to offers too, this is real important to understand. Keep it simple. Just focus on one strategy. Focus on cash offers, all right? Focus on properties that need work in desirable areas. Find out where the buyers are buying and go get properties that they're looking for. Much easier to sell buyers what they want in areas that they want than it is to sell them what you have. And then finally, follow up with sellers. Follow up with every single offer you make every 30 days until they sell the house or they die. Follow up because that's where most of your deals are going to come from. And we'll be talking about that later. So this all is going to be part of this book, Brilliant at the Basics, that I'm putting together, which will be coming out soon. So stay tuned. And I'm looking forward to sharing all of that with you when it comes out. Um, Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Right now, if you want those spreadsheets, go to my YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, do a search for Joe McCall, subscribe to my channel, find this video. It's going to be called Brilliant at the Basics Part 4. And I will put in the description of that video links to these spreadsheets here in just a few minutes. I'll do that. Appreciate you all, guys. We'll see you later. Take care. Bye-bye. 